right, welcome back to Sports Waves, our second episode of 2022 coming up. It was an exciting weekend to recap in sports as we had six NFL playoff games that we talked about last week. We'll be recapping all of those and looking ahead to the four games that are coming up in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We also have a special guest joining us very shortly. It's Zach Bourne, and he's going to talk about football with us. And also, we're going to give an update on baseball. Even though there are certainly no games there to recap, we're going to be talking about the MLB lockout, what it means, when it might end, things of that nature. But first of all, let's start with a little Pepperdine Athletics recap. What's going on with the Waves here in 2022? And Austin, I'll bring you in now. Pepperdine basketball off to an 0-4 start in WCC play. Three of those losses coming at home. It's been a tough start for kind of a young team. So what have you seen in those first four conference games? And what do the Waves need to fix to kind of turn this ship around early in the West Coast Conference schedule? Yeah, the conference looks um, really good this year. More competitive than in previous years, I would say. And I think you got it right, though. I think it's just a young team. and It's going to take some time to develop. Uh, they got a few young guards that look promising, Mike Mitchell and Houston Mallet. So I think it's just chemistry and time. I think this season is going to be a, a kind of a rebuilding season, like just building for the future. And I think they should look forward to next year, I would say, or, the pre- or next following years. I agree. Have you had a chance to see what Kessler Edwards is doing in the NBA? I saw he made a, a start the other day in the NBA, so that was cool. He did. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously the waves lost two big pieces in Colby Ross and Kessler Edwards. Colby's playing abroad and Kessler has earned a starting job with one of the best teams in the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets going from the G league all the way to a starting position just in his rookie year. So that's been huge, but for the current waves, yeah, it's been, it's been a tough start. Houston Millette and Mike Mitchell are very promising, should be great players in a couple of years um, at guards, but having to shoulder the load as freshmen is tough. I mean, in these first three, WCC home losses. They shot 32%, 41%, and 39% from the field. And they were missing Keith Fisher for a few games in the front court and Victor Ojeo Bioja, some of their older guys in the front court. So they have had some injuries and some issues, but the West Coast Conference is really good this year, as you mentioned. So they're going to need more consistent scoring from some of the older guys to take the load off some of the younger guys. Otherwise, this could be a very long 16-game slate in the WCC where wins are going to be hard to come by. Pepperdine women's basketball 0-2 to start off their WCC season, but I expect them to be competitive in their next few games, hoping to catch one of them coming up soon. And Pepperdine men's volleyball 3-0 with three sweeps. They're ranked number four in the country right now. So good start for men's volleyball. All right, let's move on to the NFL and let's bring in our guest, Zach Bourne, who is also a senior at Pepperdine like myself. Zach, why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and the teams you're rooting for? I know you're a big baseball and football guy, so so where do your loyalties lie? Yeah, so how's it going? And thanks for having me. I'm a definitely a big Boston sports fan, so Red Sox Patriots. I know it's hard to hard to say and hard to hear, often come off as a bit arrogant, but you know, I grew up loving the teams and I uh, kind of brought into it by my dad. So really Red Sox Patriots so the two big ones. And then, of course, I have to bandwagon Brady. That's just like a given. I think I'd probably be disowned if I didn't. Uh, so, yeah, those are my two big loyalties. You know, of course, Celtics and Bruins are there, but I can't say I'm too, I have too much interest in those sports. So, yeah, Red Sox for baseball, Patriots for football. 
Absolutely. Well, a lot of, a lot of winning done by Boston in, in your 20 years of, of life so far, 21 years. So we will talk about both the Bucks and the Patriots. So let's, let's get right into it. Super wildcard weekend. Great to have these games spread out over three days. I thought it was cool that we had a Monday night game for the playoffs. Uh, Four of the six, though, were blowouts. There was really only two games that were close, and two of those were pretty expected. The Bucs taking care of business against the Eagles, the Chiefs dominating the Steelers after a slow first quarter. Do you guys have anything that was really interesting to you in those two games, or should we move on to the other four? Well, the the Bucs-Eagles game, I know the Eagles' run game was basically carrying them throughout all of their uh, kind of mediocre matchups, to be honest. They're facing a lot of not-so-great teams. I know they were what, like 0 and 7 or 0 and 8 against playoff teams. And of course, the Bucks D line is just incredible with like a prime Vita Vea. And then I still love Nadama Kong Su. Just, he's just a great old man. But yeah, so basically, the fact that they could actually stop that run defense from the Eagles was really a great sign. You know, I'm honestly really afraid of the 49ers. I know their running game is incredible. So hopefully, they can continue moving that forward just for my sake. And hopefully, they can figure out their defensive backs. Yeah, absolutely. I think those games went pretty much as expected. Some people had the Eagles as a sleeper pick in the playoffs, but clearly just a little bit inexperienced. The Bucks overwhelmed them kind of from start to finish in that one. And then the Chiefs ending Ben Roethlisberger's career in emphatic fashion there in Kansas City. Um, but Zach, let's move on. Obviously, you're, you're Brady and Bucks fan, and we'll be rooting for him going forward. But your main team, the Patriots, got bounced in brutal fashion the bucks or the bills scoring a touchdown on every single possession other than the last one where they were in victory formation so what happened to the patriots in this one i mean i can't imagine that you expected them to get stomped like this and how do you kind of assess this season in which they made the playoffs kind of developed mac jones split with the bills in the regular season and then just got hammered here in the wild card round yeah so i i definitely i thought the patriots had a fighting chance in this one i mean if i'm going to be honest i thought they were going to pull it out just because how could I not uh, I thought the the weather was going to be a factor I knew how great they were against the Bills in the uh, that disgusting weather cold game where they just ran practically every single play of the game so I thought they really had a good chance and then of course I was proven incredibly wrong they got blown out kind of hard I know the rookie quarterbacks haven't had too much success in the playoffs you would have hoped that Belichick would have had a little more tricks up his sleeve but of course he's been like incredible for 20 years so how could you uh really expect that much more so it's it's kind of it's of course it's as hard as any playoff loss but i feel like you have to look back at all their successes and just realize that uh it's hard to stay good for forever so honestly i feel like the season as a whole was just a great plus mac jones did look really good he was the best rookie quarterback and um, everybody needs time to develop. And of course, even if the Patriots still lose for his entire career, like what more can you ask for for what they've done? Yeah, yeah, pretty good to be a Patriots fan growing up. And what do you think of the Bills? I mean, this was the probably the best Josh Allen version of Josh Allen and those weapons that I've seen in his entire career. So and doing that in the weather you mentioned is like five degrees or maybe even colder. So what do you think of them going forward and their chances in the AFC? Yeah, Josh Allen really looked incredible. Like, I know he's really the Bills' main offensive weapon. So you kind of expected him to have a good game if you wanted them to have any chance of winning. I really thought the Bills were going to struggle without White, their corner, just because he's been such a, like, cornerstone piece. But against the Chiefs, I'm not really sure. I still believe the Chiefs are a better all-around team. 
and uh especially having the home field you just you never really know but i don't know i'm not it's, i don't think it's looking too good for them in the future Yep. Should be exciting. We'll talk about that game coming up in the divisional round, but a tough finish of the year for Zach's Patriots and Austin. Now we'll go to you and your team. I can't join this conversation since my team is not in the playoffs, but kind of a live reaction here is this, as we record this, the game ended about 90 minutes ago with the Rams and the Cardinals on Monday night playoff football. And they just had the Cardinals number from the beginning. It seemed like they knew every play call. The defense was stifling, and this this thing was not close. It was twenty eight nothing at one point. I think the final was thirty four to eleven. So we know the Rams have kind of had the Cardinals number this year. But what's what's your reaction to the game? I was just so happy watching the game the entire time. Like everyone's kind of like crap talked crap on the defense all year, and like saying our defense coordinator is not too good because obviously we had. Um, Brandon Staley is he was our defense coordinator last year and we had the number one defense. So this year is kind of disappointing, but man, tonight, I don't think the Cardinals converted one third down. I mean, the Kyler looked lost. Obviously he had a terrible pick six, the shortest pick six in playoff history. Actually, it was like two yards and Stafford just looked efficient. No turnovers. That's what I wanted to really just cut down on the turnovers. We talked about that on the last podcast. And we ran the ball, we established a run, and that set up the play action. And I think Sean McVay called a beautiful game, called two challenges. They were both successful. I mean, couldn't have gotten more perfect, honestly. I was very satisfied. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, and we'll talk about their matchup coming up in a second. But what what did the additions of Von Miller and OBJ during the season? I mean, do you think that they're making – obviously, they made significant contributions in this game. Um, do you think that they make the Rams that much more formidable of an opponent for anyone in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I think there are key additions just because players like Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, people mainly focus on them as Aaron Donald gets double teamed mostly. So that means Vaughn Miller's left one-on-one or people are doubling Cup. And we saw that in the red zone tonight and OBJ got a jump ball for a touchdown. So I think it just allows us to do more stuff, honestly. And it's just scarier for those other uh, opponents. And they've been great additions so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to see OBJ getting a chance in the playoffs and and performing well. So let's real quick touch on the other two games. The only two games that were really close. I mean, Bengals and Raiders came down to the final drive with the Raiders having a chance to tie things up. And then Derek Carr throws an interception on the final play of the game, which was a great play by the Bengals defender and 49ers Cowboys. The one where the road team actually got the win there with the Niners going into Dallas. And it was a, it was a strange game. I mean, we could talk about the ending to that game, I guess. So the Niners kind of had control throughout. It was 23, seven at one point, and then it was 23, 17. And the Cowboys had one very last chance where they were trying to put together a drive and get a chance for a Hail Mary. And then they run a quarterback sneak with 14 seconds left and aren't able to get the ball snapped for the spike on the next play and they they were complaining that the ref didn't get there quickly enough and didn't get the ball spotted but what did you guys think of that decision i mean they defended it after the game dak prescott kellen moore and i think mike mccarthy all defended the decision to run that qb sneak um what did you guys think of that call and just the cowboys kind of shooting themselves in the foot throughout the game with penalties and such okay i just want to say the referee has to place the ball you cannot place the ball yourselves so Cowboys fans are wrong, but they're usually in the wrong. So like, it's okay. But it was not Cowboys versus the refs. If you follow the rules, you won't get flagged. And the last play, I mean, you had the ref has to touch the ball. So that's all I want to say. 
Yeah, I agree. And they could have just stood there and handed it to him and it would have gone faster. And also just throughout the game, like every penalty that the Cowboys committed was legitimate. Like there's not one that you can pick out that you're like, this was an egregiously bad call. Like they, they had, most of them were before the snap or just just strange penalties, like holding on the defensive line. Why, why were, why are you holding someone on the defensive line at the line of scrimmage? What, what advantage do you even gain from that? So I, just a classic playoff collapse. I mean, the Niners looked pretty good for three quarters and then kind of tried to give it away, but they, you know, they stick to their script and it could be dangerous going forward. Zach, did you get a chance to watch either of these Bengals Raiders or 49ers Cowboys? And just what were your, your immediate reactions from those? I did watch the entirety of the 49ers Cowboys game and it was really a great game. Um, I knew the 49ers had a decent chance just because they're kind of wild cards. Um, you know, they pulled it out against the Rams the previous week. They've had some crazy matched ups. The, their game against the Titans was ridiculously close. Uh, I knew Dak Prescott really has just been struggling. He hasn't had the greatest season. He hasn't really made up for how much he's getting paid, in my opinion. But I think the, the game was a great game overall. I think one of the craziest things was the end. Uh, Dak Prescott's post-game conference when he was talking about the fans throwing things onto the field and he was basically saying like, Oh yeah, guys, this is terrible. You can't do this. Like we're trying our best. The players are just doing our jobs. They're like, actually, I think they're throwing those at the refs. And he's like, Oh, well then yeah. Power to you guys. <laughs> so we'll see if that affects them at all. We'll see if anyone, uh, if he gets any backlash for that. But yeah, that was kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't think in any circumstance you should be encouraging the fans to throw things on the field, even if it was a super poorly officiated game, which I didn't really think it was. So, I mean, yeah, the last play was just the epitome of NFL strangeness, but yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Um, Bengals Raiders Bengals get their first playoff win in 31 years. That's kind of the, kind of the story of that one and should be exciting going into this next round. I mean, this Bengals team is just fun to watch. So with that, why don't we move on to the divisional round real quick, take a look at some of these games. I mean, just looking at these schedule Bengals, Titans, Bengals at Titans, 49ers at Packers on Saturday, Rams at bucks, bills at chiefs on Sunday. Those are four great games. I mean, just looking at those, I don't expect more of this week's uh, unless someone just is a bad matchup for somebody else. I don't expect a lot of blowouts in those games. So Bengals Titans, what are you guys thinking? We haven't seen the Titans with Derrick Henry since very early in the season. So he's going to be back. Don't know if he's going to be hundred percent, but what are the Bengals chances of coming in here and spoiling the party? Um, I actually, I, I have the Bengals winning. I think they're on fire as like as the end of the season here. They're playing their best football and I think they look good against the Raiders. Joe Burrow looks calm. He looks like a seasoned vet and it's his first playoffs ever. So I think they're doing pretty good. And I want to see a Bengals uh, Chiefs AFC championship game. So I think the Bengals will honestly pull it out against the Titans here, uh, even though they will have Derek Henry back. So I think it'll be a close game, but I think the Bengals will pull it out. Yeah, it'll, I think it'll definitely be a great game. Um, I'm really excited to see Derrick Henry back. Hopefully he can get some crazy stiff arms against the Bengals. But uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Mixon, I feel like are just such an incredible offensive force to be reckoned with. I Honestly, honestly though, I still think the Titans are going to pull it out just with all the new things they can do. And I think Vrabel is just an incredible coach. So it'll be a close one, that's for sure. Yeah, I think this one comes down to the Titans pass defense and the Bengals run defense. And it I kind of have to give the edge to the Titans because we know from a few years ago that 
they were a high seed and nobody expected them to go as far as they did. So if, if they're able to establish the run, I think the Bengals are going to have a little bit of trouble, but this, they certainly could play spoiler. It's, it really just comes down to matchups. 49ers and Packers on Saturday night is an interesting one because two very different styles as well. Uh, you know, the 49ers are going to hammer it on the ground. The Packers are going to get you through the air. The Packers defensive line has looked really solid lately, but Aaron Rodgers notoriously 0-3 in the playoffs against San Francisco. So his hometown team, he's had struggles against them in the playoffs. So what do you guys think are the Niners' chances of just getting another upset and knocking off the mighty Packers? Packers have pretty much been the most consistent team in the league all year, with the exception of getting blown out in week one. So otherwise, they've they've been very solid. Um, I saw a stat the other day, too. It was like since week one, Aaron Rodgers has thrown like one pick or something like that. So he's been obviously doing really good. Might win MVP. Um, I think the Niners do have a chance of pulling off an upset. I don't want to say Packers are going to win for sure, but I think the Packers will win as they have been consistent all year, unlike past years when they got blown out by the Niners. But, I mean, it is a bad matchup for them. Like, the Niners running the ball is just – they always kill them running the ball every time. So we'll see if that will happen again or if Aaron Rodgers will. I think he'll pull it out this time, though, but it will be a good game. Yeah, the Niners – game management at the end scares me a little bit. I mean, I think they can certainly jump out to a lead, but them defending a lead is a little bit like it's never really locked up partially because, I mean, they live and die by Jimmy Garoppolo and whether or not he's able to perform, you know, their defense is going to perform and their run game is going to perform, but it looks like Nick Bosa is going to be out with a concussion. It looks like Fred Warner is going to be out with an ankle injury. So that's two major pieces of their front seven. And if they're not able to pressure Rogers as well as they were able to get some pressure on Prescott, it's going to be a bit of a struggle. So I like the Packers to get out of this one. I'll be rooting against them because I always do, but it should be an interesting one. I'm excited for it. Have not checked the weather yet in Lambeau, but I can imagine it's going to be cold. Uh, Zach, do you have anything, anything to add on that one? It'll, I think it'll be a really close game, honestly. I think the 49ers are a great sleeper team. Um, you know how the Packers run defenses, and you know the 49ers just pull out every single trick. But yeah, I mean, I'm really afraid of the Packers, so I'm hoping that they get upset and just, I don't have to worry about them anymore. So, Absolutely. All right, let's go on to Sunday real quick and just touch on these two two more great games, Rams and the Bucks. I think this is a rematch of a regular season matchup. And two very high-powered teams that people had as Super Bowl contenders coming into the season, and they look like they're rounding into form right now. So something's got to give here. What do you guys think it's going to be? Austin, maybe start with you since you are, you're the expert on all things LA Rams. Um, yeah, we played in week three where we dominated, winning 34-24. Matt, Matthew Stafford looked great. He threw like four touchdowns at like 300 yards that game. And we really they, we just like outplayed them. They look like they weren't prepared for us. And we even beat them last year with Jared Goff. I would think we all agree that Matt Stafford is better than Jared Goff. And I think a lot of people are giving us a chance Sunday against the Bucks because people are like defending champs. Obviously, they're really good. And I do. I think they're really good. But I just think the Rams will win. I know I'm a little biased, obviously. But I think the Rams are going to pull it out. I really do. Zach, you have a counterpoint to that? I would say that Jared Goff is better than Matt Stafford. <laughs> I'm a Jared, I'm a Jared Goff fan. So that's my point. I think that the lions definitely won that trade. 
think it was a great trade for the Lions. Lions have the greatest future. Um, Super Bowl champs next year. Whatever it is, take the over on the Lions next season. That's my recommendation. But as for this game, um, you know, the Rams have been looking a bit hit or miss. I watched the their game against the 49ers, and that was kind of brutal, just uh, seeing how they fell apart at the end. Uh, I think the Buccaneers are really getting hot at the right time. You know, they have a lot to prove after the whole Antonio Brown fiasco. Uh, I know the Mike Evans, Jalen Ramsey matchup is going to be tough for Mike Evans, but I feel like Tom Brady can just find something out of nothing. And then I think Leonard Fournette is going to be back as a running back. And, you know, he's great in the playoffs. So I still believe in the Bucks. It'll be a really fun game. It's in Tampa, so maybe that'll change something. But I don't know. It's going to be yeah. fun. I don't know how, oh, how seriously to take your uh, to take your Lions Rams take there. If if the Dead Rams serious. win the Super Bowl this year, though, then the Rams win the trade. Or if we win any Super Bowl next three years, if the Rams win a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford, then yeah, the Rams win the trade. I think that a Super Bowl victory can like eliminate the badness of any trade. You could trade away every single pick for 20 years and win a Super Bowl, and honestly, it would be worth yeah, it. That's fair. Might have to agree with that. I think if the upsets are going to come in this divisional round, which you know any of these games could be on upset alert, I think they might come on Sunday, and with the Rams and Bucks and the Bills and Chiefs, and both of these teams, yeah, looking very well rounded. So I'm excited to see. I think the Rams have some demons to exercise against Brady in particular. So we'll see if they're able to do that. I think I'll be rooting for them to to move on, even though I don't have a ton of loyalty to the Rams. I, I would like to see the upset here just because I think it makes things more interesting when there's a new champion and the defending champion does not defend their crown. So let's move on just real quick since we're running low on time. Bills and Chiefs on Sunday night, two incredibly highly powered offenses. I think this one's definitely on upset red alert with how good the Bills are playing, but it might just come down to who has the ball last or whose defense is able to make an opportune stop. What do you guys think? I think it will be a good game as well, but I think the chiefs will win. And so far I've picked uh, all the games correctly in the playoffs. So I'm hoping that streak continues. And I think Patrick Mahomes just goes to another level, like during the playoffs, like he looked incredible against the Steelers, but it definitely could be an upset, but I think the chiefs kind of have the bills number. Yeah, I think four turnovers for the Chiefs when they played each other in the regular season. And obviously the Chiefs are the ultimate team that kind of turned things around in the middle of the season. They were looking pretty bad for the first at seven or eight weeks and since have been on a run. I do like the Bills in this one just because I think they're a little bit more balanced in terms of run pass, but in terms of offense and defense as well. And I having watched that full game against the Patriots, I just thought, you know, how's anybody going to stop this? So we'll see the chiefs may very well may prove me wrong. I haven't watched them that much this year, so I couldn't tell you if they're as good as their Super Bowl winning team two years ago, but we will see in this one, Zach, any final uh, thoughts on the upcoming divisional round? Yeah. I, I touched on this game a little bit earlier, but I think with, uh, with Tredavious white out for the bills, this will be a prime example of a Patrick Mahomes, just throw it up there and, Tyreek out there somewhere so maybe we'll see that I think it'll be hard to cover Tyreek and Kelsey with the kind of some of the injuries the Bills have so it'll definitely be interesting that's for sure yeah should be an exciting weekend on Saturday and Sunday and great matchups and then conference championships beyond that so it's been a fun NFL season to watch and it will continue to be that way Zach and I are going to move on to baseball here. I think just to touch on the lockout, Austin's got to go. Austin, any final thoughts on what's gone on in sports this week uh, that have been on your mind? 
Um, LeBron sent out a tweet promising that the Lakers will be better. Uh, last time he did that, we won a championship. So I believe him. And I hope the Lakers will do good for the rest of the year. So that's all I got to say. Go Rams. Yeah, this is right around the time of the season where everyone stops hating Russell Westbrook and he starts playing well again. So they're kind of going to need to bank on that. So we'll see if that happens and the Lakers are able to, to get into the playoffs. And once they do, we know anything can happen. So, all right, Austin, we're going to move on to some baseball. So we will see you next week. Zach, let's touch on what's going on in the baseball world. It's the middle of January, so normally nothing is going on in the baseball world. But right now, even more nothing is going on because we've got a lockout. The MLB owners locked out the players on December 2nd, which means the players cannot come to the facilities. They can't really do anything related to their teams. The MLB even took all of the current players' photos off of their websites. So this is the first work stoppage in baseball since the 1994-1995 player strike. So can you kind of just explain to a casual sports fan what this lockout means and why it happened? Yeah, so basically the uh, the collective bargaining agreement expired, which is pretty much just the rules and terms of the MLB regular season. So when this expires, usually the teams can negotiate a new one before um it's like all done and you have to continue with the season. But in this case, there are a lot of just weird little disagreements that are happening. So the teams and the players uh, couldn't quite come to an agreement. I know one issue is with the the balls. Some people think that they were deadening the balls and livening the balls based on the free agency. So that was going to change the contracts and the money that people would get. But so basically this, this agreement expired and now uh, everybody really just wants more money. So between the, the owners and the players, people just want different things. Like the players want the luxury tax system to be removed so they can make more money. The owners, the owners want it lowered. So, I mean, it's really just a lot of back and forth and a lot of conflicting opinions. There hasn't been a lockout where it's actually delayed the beginning of the regular season, but we're definitely getting close. So it'll be interesting. We'll see what will happen, but I have faith that they'll uh, figure something out before because everyone wants to make their money. And if the season doesn't start, then that just won't happen. Right. I mean, it's basically the owners and the players union not being able to come to an agreement on these various terms. And they weren't able to come to an agreement before December 2nd. So the lockout started and then they went a good five, six weeks without any negotiations. So now we're within five to six weeks of when pitchers and catchers would normally report for spring training and we have nothing. So they did finally meet on January 13th, which is the most recent update, the most recent negotiation. The owners had a proposal for the players, but the players union, I don't think was impressed with it. And I'm sure they'll have a counter proposal, but it just, these things have been so slow going and they did nothing for so long. And now they're jeopardizing the start of spring training because the players have no access to the teams at all when they're, technically are no players right now because there's no agreement holding up the foundation of the league. So I agree. Hopefully they're able to get the start of the regular season on time, but right now it looks like spring training at the very least is in jeopardy. And one positive is uh, over this lockout, I know players aren't being tested for steroids. So any player out there that's injured, now would be a good time. Yeah. Speaking of steroids, why don't we, touch on the hall of fame class real quick because that's been a major point of contention with the mlb hall of fame that's the other news happening in baseball of which there's not very much right now is that the 2022 hall of fame class if there are any inductees will be announced on january 25th 
So there could be some some inductees. Seventy five percent of writers that have a ballot have to vote a player in in order for them to make it into the Hall of Fame. So some of the top returning vote getters are Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, some some polarizing and controversial players there. Uh, and then we have some new players on the ballot this year as well. So Zach, what are your thoughts on, on some of these guys? Sammy Sosa as well is on like running out of years on the ballot and he's has never tested positive for anything. I don't think, but obviously suspicions about him using steroids bonds, obviously confirmed did use them. So, so what are your thoughts on the hall of fame this year? Who you think's getting in and, uh, just your thoughts on steroid users potentially getting in or not getting in. Yeah, well, well, Sammy Sosa, honestly, I don't believe that he was quite good enough to make the Hall of Fame without steroid use. He had some crazy home run seasons, but uh, still have a lot of other people that haven't been that great, like Adam Dunn. Um, I think the biggest name on the ballot, of course, is Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Of course, I'm a big Red Sox fan, but I definitely think that he's like the greatest postseason player of all time. So I feel like it'd be hard not to admit him. I know there's, of course, there's a little bit of steroid controversy with him. He's another player that's been accused but never confirmed. But I don't think that stops him, and I definitely think he'll make the first ballot this year. Some of the other guys are a little, a little bit more iffy. Uh, you know, Kurt Schilling, he specifically said that he didn't want journalists to vote him into the Hall of Fame. Um, and, of course, he has some controversies, like where he retweeted a picture that was basically encouraging lynching journalists. So, you know, I don't think that Schilling has a chance. I think that that kind of eliminates him. Bonds and Clements are a bit of a different story. Uh, Roger Clements, the thing about him, you know, he's won more Cy Youngs than anyone else. He's obviously incredible, but it's really hard to separate his steroid usage. So I don't know if he quite sneaks in. I think he'll get in the future at some point, but I don't know, like maybe Veterans Committee, committee but Barry Bonds, on the other hand, he's had two separate Hall of Fame's careers, one pre-steroid usage, one post with like the Pirates and then the Giants. And I definitely believe that Barry Bonds is the greatest player of all time. So I really find it hard to believe that he just wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. You know, he did some steroids. A lot of players did. I, for one, am not too strict about my steroid usage rules, but I would definitely love to see Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame and maybe erect a massive statue of him outside of the, what is it now, the Oracle Field in San Francisco. But yeah, Barry Bonds is incredible. Yeah, this is actually, I don't know about the giant statue, but this is actually a point, a controversial point where we agree because I also think that Bonds is one of the greatest players in the history of the game with or without steroids before and after and most feared hitter of all time with or without. So I don't really, I mean, obviously baseball has a very proud hall of fame. That's why they have these specific rules. You only get 10 years on the ballot. You need 75% of the vote to get in. It's hard to be a first ballot hall of famer. And, and it's a very contentious point, but I don't think you're evaluating the moral character of a player because there are some legitimately terrible people that are already in there that were still great baseball players. So I don't, I don't understand evaluating the character. Yes. He got in trouble for it and he, you know, paid the consequences for that. And there's always going to be an asterisk next to his name because of it. But that does not mean that he wasn't one of the greatest baseball players, not only of this era, but of all time. So I, I doubt Bonds will get in. I think this is his 10th year on the ballot. I don't know about Schilling. I think it might be Schilling got 71% of the vote last year, though. So he was pretty close, but well, it'll be interesting to see when it comes out on January 25th. I think it's also Sammy Sosa's final year on the ballot. So 
we will see what happens with that. All right, Zach, it's been a good conversation about baseball and football. Happy to have you on. Hopefully we'll have you on in the future as well to talk about both of those things. Any final thoughts from you here on uh, episode three of Sports Waves? Yeah, thanks for having me. I think just as a parting comment, I'll say it. I think that uh, the Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl. And if they don't, I might cry myself to sleep. Second comment, though, David Ortiz is amazing. He's a very, very nice man, uh, big man, hit a lot of home runs, and I'm very happy to see him hopefully getting into the Hall of Fame. I'm interested to hear that you think he'll get in on the first ballot. I don't really know, you know, the level players have to be at to get in, but it's tough to get in on the first ballot. So, and as for the Bucks, I mean, nothing surprises me anymore in, in football and with Brady. So I wouldn't be surprised. I'll probably be rooting against them because I'm just think it's boring when the same team wins again and the same guy wins again so uh i can't agree with you on that point but it'll it should be an interesting remainder of the playoffs and we were happy to have you here as well so that that was episode three our second episode of 2022 and we'll have more action for you coming up next week thanks guys that's all for us on this episode of sports waves Stay tuned for more coverage of the NFL playoffs and other sports action coming to you in the coming weeks. My name is Carl Winter and I was your co-host today and I was joined by my co-host Austin Lede and our special guest, Zach Bourne. Follow Sports Waves Pod on Twitter, that's at Sports Waves Pod for updates on our podcast, polls about more sports and excellent content. Sports Waves is a part of the Pepperdine Graphic Media Podcast Network. You can follow Pepperdine Graphic Media on social media at Pep Graphic. That's at P-E-P-P Graphic. Also, go to our website, PepperdineGraphic.com, for updates on other podcasts in the Pepperdine Graphic Media Podcast Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts for the latest episode. We'll see you next time.